just looked at the top of the song there and it had a verse and I just looked at it while we were singing and I'll read a few verses around it. It was Ephesians 19. It says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundant above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Shall we humble our hearts in a word of prayer? Our dear Heavenly Father, thank you this morning for a naturally beautiful morning. We thank you for this fall, extended period of fall. We ask that you would bless us this morning, that your spirit would be in our midst, and that it would open this word to the speaker and open our hearts as listeners, and that that word in your spirit could sustain us as we go forward into this week. We ask that you would be with those who this morning cannot gather around your word, that you would be with them, that you would comfort and encourage them also, and that they could be given that assurance that you know when you're there. We ask that you would be with our nation, and that you would be with this world, that your guidance would lead and that you would turn hearts to that knowledge and understanding that they need Christ. We ask that you would give us the grace to walk each day by faith and strengthen our faith that we could trust and know that you are in charge and that you will lead us and guide us and care for us. We ask these things in Jesus' name, who's taught us to pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. Forever and ever. Amen. <clears throat> Should we continue with 325. <laughs> 
to see everybody out this morning. I've been working on a cold here the last few days and I can't sing, so I tried I tried singing there at home. I was I was looking at at that song um, I look not back and between the power of the words and and my cold I had a hard time singing. So I get emotional about it, but but then I, my throat clogs up and I can't sing that way either. So yeah, I hope you can bear with me. For our text this morning, we'll look at the 25th chapter of Matthew, 31st verse through to the end of the 46th, Jesus' own words, and we'll read these words in his name. That's Matthew 25, 31 to 46. When the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he shall sit upon the throne. Then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. And before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then shall... The king say unto them on his right hand, Come ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was an hungered, and ye gave me meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me in. Naked, and ye clothed me. I was sick, and ye visited me. I was in prison, and ye came unto me. 
Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee in hunger, and fed thee, or thirsty, and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger, and took thee in, or naked, and clothed thee? Or when saw we sick, or in prison, and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto, the, unto one of the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungered, and ye gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me not in. Naked, and ye clothed me not. Sick, and in prison, and ye visited me not. Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee an hungered or a thirst, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister unto thee? Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as ye did it not to one of the least of these, ye did it not to me. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous, un righteous unto life eternal. Amen. <clears throat> This, well, first of all, I'll say grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ be multiplied to each one gathered here this morning, now, and forever. Amen. This that I read comes after a few chapters of, of talking about the end of this world. Of course, the disciples and and others I'm sure wondered because Jesus talked about that at different times and they wondered when the end shall be and we have the story of the the five wise and the five foolish virgins just before this and we have the story of the the talents that were given out and and some some uh, some talents I guess would we say profited and some did not. And and then this, this text here. It talks about these talents as take therefore the talent from him and give it this is the, the man that viewed his heavenly father as a as a hard man and he says, Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art an hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown and gathering about where thou hast not strawed. This, this is not our living God and our Savior, but this is his, his view of, of what he saw there in his, in his Lord and his Savior. And I was afraid. And when my, when it hid my talent in the earth, and lo, thou hast, there thou hast that is thine, his Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knowest that I reap where I sowed not, and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at, at my coming I should have received my own with usury. I'm not sure if I understand this rightly, but it seems that if, if he didn't have the wherewithal or the gifts or, or whatever to uh, profit with what he had been given, he should have supported others, possibly. But anyways, he, 
it says, take therefore the talent from from him and give it to him which hath ten talents, for, for unto every one that shall be given he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall it be taken away even that which he hath. And he lost his reward over that, which is a pretty serious thing. So then we, then we get into this text that I read. Jesus talks about coming back to this world. And we know that in the first, first part of Acts there, and even some of the Gospels, it talks about him leaving. When he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. So it says, I think in one of the Gospels, that the clouds received him up, up into the air. And, and we know that he will, he will return in that same way. And with his with his trouble over there in the Middle East, I believe there's scripture to say that he will return to the same place, physical place on earth where he was lifted up and left this earth, which is which is Jerusalem. That it doesn't say anything about that here, but I think it's an interesting thing. But it says here, when the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the, all the holy angels with him, then he, shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. And before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from the other, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. We see in the, in the math, um, John. 14, I believe it is. We hear this. We hear this at funerals. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye, shall, there ye may be also. And whither I go, ye know, and the way ye know. And it goes on there. But Jesus, <clears throat> because of our because of our carnal understanding, natural understanding, and we we don't always see things in, in a spiritual light or in, in the power of of the light of God and the light of his word, we can't comprehend some of these things. But I believe that what Jesus spoke about there was that he would he was going to prepare a place, and I think I've said before how how you you'll get this impression from other understandings that he's going up there and and I mean maybe i'm maybe I'm making fun of it a little bit but but it's almost like he has a carpenter's toolbox in his hand, and he's going to build a beautiful building for us in some kind of a natural sense. Heaven has always been there, and, and it's beautiful, and it doesn't need any improvement. 
But the work that Jesus did when he died on the cross, he suffered, suffered and died for our sins. That was the work he was talking about, not, not something he's going up, up to heaven to prepare a, a nicer heaven for us than, than what was there before. Jesus left heaven and he left his heavenly father and came to this earth. And we'll, we'll go through that in the Christmas story in the, in a couple of months coming. But he came to this earth and he, he performed a work that none of us can even can come close to performing. First of all, that he lived a perfect life, a sinless life. We, we can look at ourselves and, and, and maybe I should only look at myself to know that we don't have to go very far into a day and it might be a physical thing, it might be just a bad thought we might have, but we've fallen into sin already. We're sinners. Yeah. And, and we, we have to acknowledge that, rise above that with the work that Christ has accomplished and carry on with life. Jesus is going to come back to this earth in, in the same way that he left. And it says here, and I guess, I guess we can't comprehend that, that the way of salvation was already in place. Because we might think that the way of salvation was completed, and it was, when, when Jesus was suffering and dying and then rose from the dead victorious over all wrongdoing. And that is so, and that's true, and that's when it happened 2,000 years ago. But in, the, in, that, in the picture of, of all of time, God knew this would take place. He, he, he performed it. He did it. He operated this way. And when Adam and Eve, our first parents, fell into sin, their sin was covered if they could, if they could believe in this Messiah that would come. It took a couple thousand years before he came, and, or several thousand years, and, and now it's been 2,000 years since, and, and more since he was here. But in the picture of all time, God provided salvation for, for mankind. From the very first time that, that Adam and Eve fell into sin to the last man that's ever going to walk and spend time on this earth. He covered all those sins right from the first to the last. And, and I believe it says that here. <clears throat> so he's going to come in his glory. He's going to come back as, as the two disciples that were the story of them on the way to Emmaus. And Jesus just enters into the picture, and then he, later on he disappears from the picture. And yet he says he's not a spirit. Don't don't think that I'm a spirit or some apparition. A spirit hath not flesh and bones, as you see me have. And he asks for something to eat. This is hard for us to understand because Jesus, at that point, was a glorified Jesus. He was not as we are. Not as I am standing here or any of you sitting there. Flesh and blood, we call it. And, and we're, we're, not, 
we're not glorified beings yet. We are we are spiritual beings in that way that Paul says we have the mind of Christ. We have the Holy Spirit. It's it's in our possession. It's ours to um, partake of and and enjoy and be led by. But we're not spiritual beings. We're we're still that. We're still in the flesh that way and and. All my life I've heard that the flesh never repents. The flesh is still subject to the things of this earth. The flesh comes under subjection to the Holy Spirit. But do we ever repent? I don't think we do. We, The old man is still the old man. And he can still lead us astray. So here it says, and, and we can't comprehend, I can't comprehend how this, how this is going to take place. But I guess I will say that I'm foolish enough to believe in this word. I'm foolish enough to believe that when it says this is going to happen, it will happen. Before him, it says, before Jesus shall be gathered all nations. And he shall separate them one from the other, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And if we think of, I guess I have these thoughts and I'll just bring it out. I think of all the countless billions of people, if there are nine billion walking this earth today or whatever they say. And there's people being born and people dying every day. We, we can't, there's, there's no way we can calculate or estimate or know how many people have walked this earth, or will, in the future, until the end. But it says, they shall all be gathered before Jesus. This is something that, if you, if you tell somebody this, that isn't familiar with the word, and, and doesn't believe by faith, it, it just seems like a fairy tale. It seems like, uh-uh, it can't. That, how could that ever happen? But it says this, this is what this is what will take place. It says he shall separate the one from another as a sheep as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. Now I've never I've never been a, a first of all I'm not a great animal lover but I'm I've never dealt with sheep and I never dealt with goats other than Amy and Noah have had some around and. and uh, can tell you some interesting stories about them. But here, obviously, he puts the sheep on the right hand and the goats on the left. So the, the sheep are the desirable ones and the goats are not. I don't know in the, in the natural sense if it's really that way because I know there are people that make their living off of milking goats and, and we can't say that they're bad. But it says he he separates them as a as a man would sheep, separate his sheep from his goats. He shall, he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. So these, these two different types of people, he calls sheep and goats. And we know that sheep need to be led, and goats have a mind of their own, and they do their own thing. That, that much I know about them. But... It says, and I, <clears throat> I believe that these are the most beautiful words anyone will ever hear. 
of the of the billions of people that have walked on this earth and, and will walk on this earth. It says the king shall say unto them. This is Jesus. The king shall say unto them on his right hand, Come ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. There we have it that that this preparing has been done. This that Jesus has accomplished for us has been accomplished <coughs> excuse me has been accomplished from the foundation of the world. Since, since this world was, we might say, even thought of. And since mankind has been on this earth, salvation has been provided for him. We see, we see with Adam and Eve when they fell into sin. And, and I believe that's a, it's a, it's a picture of, of Christ dying and we are clothed by that righteousness, that robe of righteousness that he gives us when, when Adam and Eve fell into sin and then they, they made them, they made themselves clothing, clothing out of what was it, fig leaves or something. And of course God was not pleased with that. But he, he, he made, he clothed them with animal skins, meaning, meaning that there was a, there was a sacrifice of a living animal made that lost its life and I, and I believe it's a picture of of Jesus and that lamb without spot and with, without blemish that gave his life for us these things were done from the foundation of the world but these beautiful words that they're almost too beautiful for us to utter as human beings and sinful creatures come ye blessed of the father Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. <clears throat> we didn't do anything to inherit this kingdom. I think of an inheritance, a natural inheritance. You inherit something from your father or your, your great uncle or whatever it might be. You didn't do anything for it. You happen to be in this family. You could have just been just as easily be born in the middle of China or, or, or some heathen land. We did nothing to come into where we came into in this world. And we received an inheritance, a natural inheritance I'm speaking of. It says here, Come ye blessed of the Father and inherit the kingdom prepared for you. It's given to us. God has brought us into this family. God has brought us into this living, living church. Not the, not the building, but the, the organization of, of living, believing Christian people. And then he says, the reason. The reason that we're welcomed into this this kingdom prepared for, for us from the foundation of the world. He says, For I was hungered and ye gave me meat. I was thirsty and ye gave me drink. I was a stranger and ye took me in. Naked and ye clothed me. I was sick and ye visited me. I was in prison and ye came unto me.
the righteous, this this group of people that he's talking to on his right hand. They seemingly have no idea of why they got picked to be placed on his right hand in heaven. He tells us because of these things. Does that mean that we were just had all kinds of ambition for the Lord as people say? No, I don't think so. It's I, I wanted to look in that chapter on charity. And maybe that'll explain some of the some of the things that he talks about here. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And he goes on there. How, how important it is to have charity. Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor. And though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. These people maybe had some sort of a, an ambition to... to uh, live for the Lord and work for the Lord, but it says they lack charity. Charity is, as far as I can understand, it's, a, it's the fruit that comes from, from true love. We can say we f- fell in love or, or falling in love or, or whatever, or we can say we love something of this world, maybe, maybe our, our job or our I could say I love my herd of cows and, and whatever or all kinds of things. That's not that's not eternal love. That's just that I enjoy these things and I, I may be good at something or whatever it might be. But this is talking about this is talking about these these things that these people Jesus says you did it to me. You fed me. You gave me drink. I was a stranger. You took me in naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came unto me and all these things. Charity is that they did these things without knowing it. They did it because of the condition of their heart. And I I don't want to put my mother on any kind of a pedestal, but I mentioned this at her funeral and and it's always stood out in my my mind that when I was 15, family friend and sort of a uh, sort of a roundabout relative of ours, Rolf Holmgren, he had lost his wife. She she passed away, and then sometime later, a couple of years, I think it was several years later, he. He had a stroke, and he was basically incapacitated. And I have no idea how it came to be that that Mum decided to take him in. And but but I've always thought that in 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 fact I was thir- no, I was going to say I was 15 years old and and I thought and why I was concerned about that I don't know because most 15 year olds don't have had those kind of thoughts. But I thought, well, this will kind of be like throwing a, 
a wrench into this transmission of our family. To have, you know, to have this invalid come and live with us. Well, Mom had talked to the doctors, Ralph's doctors, and told her that, you know, he's going to have these problems, he's going to be this way and that way, and and I'll uh, and I'll just tell some of the things like he was he was not in control of his emotions, and of course with a bunch of kids sitting around a table, somebody says something's funny and and he'd laugh and laugh and laugh until tears came down his his throat and he'd, he'd choke up and cough and and at first I thought this just isn't going to work at all, and then somebody would say something sad and he'd cry the same way, and and I. Like, I thought I was right. This is going to kind of break up our family life. Well, it wasn't very long, and he started getting over these things. And I remember he'd fall down. He'd, he'd shuffle along about a two inches in each step. And, and I remember Dick and I were out there in the, on, the, on the sidewalk in front of the house once, and, and Rolf was there, and we were saying a few words to him and talking to him a little bit, and he fell over. And, of course... We're teenagers, and we think, well, we got to help him up. But the doctor had had said to mom that don't help him up. He'll he'll do these things. He needs to relearn all these things. And and maybe I'm going off on a on a bit of a long drawn out thing here, but mom took him in because it was the right thing to do. I'm sure Rolf remunerate remunerated her and, and gave her something for her trouble. I'm sure he did. That was the way he was. But she did it because it was the right thing to do. I would say after about a month, I had to change my thinking. Because he was a part of our family. He was part of the family. And I wouldn't want to be without that experience. So these are some of the things we learn from this word charity. We don't do it because somebody's helping us along financially. We don't do it because we think we'll get our name in the paper or or go down in history as being this way or anything. Here here's what it says about charity. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. Rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth. It, it never fails. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For, for we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. This gives us a little bit of a, maybe an insight into, into what happened here when Jesus says, this is why. Of course, we know that these people are placed on the right hand of God because they've come through that great tribulation of dealing with sin in their lives. 
and they've washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. They've come to understand and see that they're sinners. And what can I do about my sin? Confess my sins. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And then these are the fruits that come forth from that heart that has been forgiven. We, we, we know that when Jesus was 40 days in the wilderness there, right after he was baptized, it says he was hungry. hungry. He was physically hungry. And of course the devil tempted him with, with bread. Make these stones into bread, which he was able to do. <laughs> wasn't any men that gave him meat there anyways he says I was hungry and you gave me meat I was thirsty and you gave me drink I was a stranger and you took me in naked and you clothed me I was sick and you visited me I was in prison and you came under me physically speaking I don't, I don't remember that Jesus was all these things I don't believe Jesus is talking about that. He's talking about hearts that have known him and possibly stumbled and failed. And Jesus is there. I was listening to a CD that Beth is, has there. She, she's gotten these CDs from some Christian group in, in Winnipeg, I believe it is, and they sing very nicely. And this man sings a song, and I was listening to it this morning, and maybe we're all familiar with it, but it's it's uh, the theme of the song is basically that when when things are good, we can easily understand and see see God in that, and. When things are bad and down, we kind of wonder where God is. But it says it says that the God of the the mountain is the same God of the valley. And it says that the God of the day is the same one as the God of the night. And, it, and it's a nice song, and this man sings it very nicely. And it brings tears to my eyes. But Jesus says... To you and I, it doesn't matter if we're on a high or on a low, he says to us, that I will never leave you nor forsake you. When John Rontala was in the hospital, I told him that. And I know he had some highs and lows. Because he talked about them with us. And I says to him that, he will be with us, even unto the end. All these things, these people did because they had charity. And in that, in that chapter, it talks about the three, faith, hope, and charity. Now abideth faith, hope, and charity, these three, but the greatest of these is charity. Faith becomes sight when we reach heaven's shore. Hope becomes attainment. We can lay these things to the side. Charity goes on. The love of God will go on. 
this side of heaven and on the other side, will be recipients of that charity. These people had charity and they didn't even know it. Naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came unto me. This is talking about people that are having struggles with this life one way or another. Physical struggles or maybe spiritual struggles. And we will have them. We've all experienced them. Then shall the righteous, these people, this group of people that is on the right, answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee and hungered and fed thee, or thirsty and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger and took thee in, or naked and clothed thee? When saw we sick? We, when saw we thee sick or in prison and came unto thee? They didn't even know they had done these things. But they had done them because they were the right thing to do. They had done them because it was in their heart to do those things. I'm sure we've all experienced that. Where I, I just say maybe a little voice comes in our head and says, wouldn't it be that the right thing to do to go see somebody? That's, that's, that's the proper spirit. That's the spirit that led these people. That's the spirit that gave them energy to do these things. They didn't even realize they were doing. The king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto the one of the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. I guess there's different places where it talks about the least and the greatest. Jesus said of John the Baptist that there isn't one born of women that were greater than John the Baptist. And yet he says, he speaks of himself. And he says that he is greater than John the Baptist. But about, about uh, speaking of speaking of everybody else, none greater than John the Baptist. But then there's those that are least in the kingdom of heaven. In um, this is talking about the greatest. I looked this reference up. At the same time, the disciples, the 18th chapter of Matthew, at the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them. And he said, Except, he said, Verily I say unto you, Except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever shall, whoso shall receive one such little child in my, in my name receiveth me. But whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck, neck and that he were, he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Not a very nice end for, for one who offends one of these little ones. And these, these little ones 
Who? The disciples thought maybe they were they were least in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus says they're the greatest. So so we could have this carnal thinking of ours and, and be way off and, and completely wrong often. It says that verily I say unto you, in inasmuch as you have done it unto the, one of the least of these my brethren, you have done it unto me. Then shall he say unto them on the on the then shall he also say unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed into an everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. And he goes through that same thing again. I was in hunger, and you gave me no meat. To the righteous, he said, I was hungry, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you took me not in. Naked, and ye clothed me not. Sick, and in prison, and ye visited me not. Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee in hunger, or a thirst, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister unto thee? We've helped you, and we've ministered unto you, and we've worked for you tirelessly, they're saying. They didn't do it for Jesus. They didn't do it because of charity. They did it Maybe because of their own ambition. I'm sure sometimes people do things for glory. Applause from other men or whatever it might be. Jesus says, you didn't do it to me. And when you don't do it to him, you don't do it to anybody. I was a stranger and you took me not in. He clothed me not, sick and in prison, and he didn't visit me. There were people in need, and these people didn't help. A few weeks ago, we looked at that text of of the man who was beaten and left half dead, going from Jerusalem to Jericho, and the priest and the Levite just took a look at him and glanced at him from the other side of the road and passed on. They didn't help. They got their names written down in the annals of history, church records. They didn't help that man who was sick and beat up and left half dead. His clothes clothes torn off him and all those things that they described. So this group of people thought they had done these things. And they probably had physically done many good things. They didn't do it in the right heart and the right spirit. They did it for their own, what we might say, profit or honor or glory or whatever it might be. They lost their soul of salvation over that. As we see here. When did we see, or, or when did all these things happen that we didn't help you? 
Jesus says, you didn't do it unto me. Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say, say unto you, in, Inasmuch as ye did it not to one of the least, ye did it not to me. You didn't help that man who was sick. You didn't help that little child. You didn't help the man that was on the way to, from Jerusalem down to Jericho. And so you didn't help me, he says. <coughs> These, he's talking about the ones on the left. These shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous under life eternal. What a what a vast difference between heaven and hell. And in Revelations it talks about that. Or pardon me, it's not Revelations, it's in, in the, the story of the rich man. It says there's a, oh, I can't remember the words, a great distance fixed is, is the way it comes to me between these two places. Nobody goes from one to the other. We make our decisions and we do our work and we partake of this charity and we are charity in this life. The rich man, he's able to see Lazarus across that great gulf that is fixed and realizes that he, he did not live his life rightly. And he says, send someone from the dead that they could talk to my brothers. I don't, I don't want them to come to this place. And that's putting it in my own words. I believe it's Abraham that says, even if one rose from the dead, they will not believe. That isn't what makes people believe. God gives faith to believe. Jesus knocks on our heart's door. And if we go to that door and open unto him, we believe. We have faith that talks about in the faith chapter the 11th chapter of Hebrews that we believe that God is we don't believe that on our own God gives us faith to believe that we believe that he is that God is and we believe that God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him that's what believing does we see in the in the annals of history regarding Abraham, it says Abraham believed. And that was accounted unto him for righteousness. May we all believe. May we all receive that gift of eternal life. May we all believe that, that Jesus died for our sins. They're forgiven. The work is done. All we have to do is believe. In Jesus' name, Amen. Shall we receive the benediction? <clears throat> May the Lord bless us and keep us. May the Lord make his face shine upon us and be gracious unto us. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon us and give us everlasting peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.
We'll continue with 383. Thank you. 